Um, There is no shame if the answer to this is yes. Um, Who here watches Come Dine With Me? Not that many. Okay, so this is going to bomb as a whole talk, but never mind. Um, Basically, if I'm tired and it's a Saturday evening, um, what I do is I turn on to More 4 or Channel 4 Plus 1. It's on all the time on all those channels. And on the channel is Come Dine With Me. And for me, it's the ultimate kind of combination of cookery programme and reality television to make total but wonderful trash. (laughs) And I love Come Dine With Me. And what happens is there's some contestants and each night one will host a meal and the others will go round and the guests and there'll be a free course meal starter, main and dessert. And at the end of the evening, they'll all leave in a taxi and give the meal a rating out of ten. And this evening, I think... um, Here we get a bit of a come dine with me chapter of the Bible. Not total trash, um, but wonderful truth about a meal. And just like come dine with me, there's a host, there's a guest, and there's a menu. And so we're going to start by looking at the host. And the host of our meal uh, for this evening is King David. And he's recently been installed as king over Israel, God's people. Um, There's been a bit of um, trouble in the past with the previous King Saul. In fact, there'd been war between David and Saul for many years. Uh, But David knew that God had promised to him that he was going to be God's special chosen king. And there was a couple of times uh, where Saul um, came near David and David could have killed him. But he didn't. Because he trusted that God would make him king. Didn't need to seize the opportunity. And anyway, a little bit later on, Saul and his son Jonathan died in battle. And so David became king of Israel. He is the host of the meal. But the question is, what is our host like? Well, just look with me at verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 9. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Straight away, we're introduced to David, and he is a host, a king, who is kind. He longs to show kindness. I guess he's not your typical king at that time. Because guess what happened in those days, was if you were um, recently installed as king, what you'd do, all part of the practice, would be to gather up the previous king's family and, and kill them. I guess um, what we watch on the television at the moment every day is Libya, 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 isn't it? Uh, And what do they want to do? They want to capture Gaddafi and his children and get rid of them. Not there to be a trace of Gaddafi's previous rule so they can move on and establish a new rule. I guess that was standard practice in these days for kings. They would round up the previous king's family and slaughter them. But our king... Our host, King David, he longs to show kindness to someone from the house of Saul. He is a very different king. But I guess the question is, well, why? Why is David so different? Why is this special king, God's special king, why is he so different? Well, look with me at verse 3. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? The reason David is kind is because David is a king who shares his God's heart. He is a host 
like his God. God is the ultimate host. Now, I guess many of you um, maybe think, well, that's not true. <laughs> and God, he, he's distant, isn't he? He doesn't care. He's kind of set this world going in and stepped away. He's not a host, not personable, not welcoming. Or maybe there's something you think maybe God's a bit of like a giant leech in the sky, as someone once described him, sucking the fun out of everything. Any joy, he grabs it and pulls it away. Anything fun, he takes it out of your hand. Maybe that's your view of God, some kind of giant leech. But the God of the Bible is not like that. Not at all. He is a God who is kind, and he longs to show kindness to all people. See, David is a king who follows his God's heart, and because God is a kind God, David is a kind king. Well, that's our host. A king who wants to show God's kindness. Well, what about the guest? Look at me at verse 3. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Zebra answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. And so the first piece of information we get about our guest uh, to this come dine with me meal is that he's a cripple. A kind of no man, no status. I guess not someone who would usually associate to be the guest of a king. I don't really know what um, the Queen's kind of um, invitation list is like. Obviously, I'm not on it. Um, but you presume it's like dignitaries and other royal family, royal people, family friends. Uh, but this king, he is going to invite a cripple. Someone who can't do anything for himself at all. And certainly someone who can't do anything for the king. He's got nothing to offer. This is a guest who's never going to be able to return the invite. And this guest, who's a cripple, is certainly not expecting the invite. Because he was the son of Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of Saul. And therefore, an enemy of David's. At least that was the way everyone would have considered him to be. And how he became crippled is all linked in with David. If you just turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. This is how Mephibosheth became crippled. 2 Samuel 4 and verse 4. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled... But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. The reason he's crippled is because his his nurse picks him up in fear that he's going to be killed, running away from David. That's what they think David's going to do. And so as Mephibosheth is summoned by God's King David, our host, you can imagine the fear rises up in him yet again. He's expecting the worst. He maybe thinks he's turning up to be killed finally by David at last in a purge of this last bit of Saul's kingdom. Our guest is a cripple and our guest is a nobody. And just look at the second half of verse 3. Zebra answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. David asked, where is he? Zebra answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought 
from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Um, he's not only a cripple, but the text here wants us to really realise just how lowly and helpless he is. He's from a place called Lodibar. Um, it says it twice. Lodibar. And um, well, what does Lodibar mean? It means nothing. Or a place of no pasture. A place that is lifeless. He's from nothing. It's a bit like saying someone's from Middlesbrough, presumably. <laughs> uh, Mephibosheth is always, um, it's always top in the worst times. I've done my research. Um, Mephibosheth, he's just a nobody from, from nothing. He comes from nothing into the very king's presence. And he's got absolutely nothing to offer because there is no pasture. There is nothing there. And I like Mephibosheth because he's a realist. He understands his situation. He knows his status. Did you notice what he did when he met David? Verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. He gives King David the honour that is rightfully his. And I guess because he's a cripple, he's on the floor, he's bowing down, and his face is in the dirt. He's saying, I'm nothing. I'm from nothing. I've got nothing to offer. He's demonstrating to all around that he is someone of no status whatsoever. He's the lowest of the low, considered an enemy of the king, no hope for change. He expects David to kill him. And then he sums himself up um, in a very humble way, but realistic in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Very realistic. He knows that he has no rights before David. There's nothing to offer him. A dead dog. That's a pretty low opinion of himself, but, but realistic. I mean, I feel he's just ready to die. Take me now. I'm a dead dog. Um, he's just got such a low opinion of himself. He, he understands what it's like. I was um, walking this summer in Scotland uh, with a friend of mine called Lewis. Um, Lewis Green, some of you might know him. He's, he's a lot younger. Well, he's not younger, actually. He's older, but he's a lot fitter than I am. I like to think he's younger, so I don't feel so bad about my lack of fitness. Um, and we often go to Scotland in the summer when we go walking. And this year we thought we'd, we'd go up to Ben Nevis. I mean, how hard could it be? Um, and so when I go walking with us, I do feel a bit like he's my Muslim wife. He's always like ten steps ahead of me, just like struggling. Um, he's that much fit. And we were climbing up, we are going around Nevis, and there's, this, there's basically a motorway, as described in my Munro's book, up there, Ben Nevis, for, for people who can't walk, basically. But we thought, no, we'll do the connoisseur's route this year. Brilliant. Um, basically, we, 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 kind of, we started the connoisseur's route, we went around to the side, and we came to this somewhat steep embankment, shall I say, and it was about 400 metres of straight up. And we looked at each other and thought, how hard can it be? So um, we thought, we'll do this. We'll climb up. We'll climb up. 400 metres, solid scrambling. If we'd have sort of let go, we'd have fallen off and died. But don't tell my mum. She'll be a bit worried. Um, so we start going up. We think, oh, we make some sort of suggestions of how long it might take us. I said about half an hour. It's quite a long way out. Anyway, we're climbing up. And all the way, um, there's midges. You know what it's like in Scotland. Midges. And um, for some reason, the bits apparently where you're a bit fat and they come over your shorts, they're called muffins. So my bits on my skin. 
Basically, midges were biting me on my muffins all the way up. So an hour and a half of scrambling up this 400 metres, Lewis like half a mile in the distance, there in no time. Get to the top, my, my muffins are raw from all these midgy bites. I get to the top and I say to Lewis, can we have lunch and die? <laughs> I had nothing left in the tank at all. I just wanted to curl up and die. And I think that's just what Mephibosheth's like. He's like, that's it. I've got nothing. I can do nothing. I've got nothing to offer. I just want to die. I can be a little dramatic after a, a bout of heavy exercise. And this is the same Mephibosheth who, who's got nothing, who's from nothing, has nothing to offer. And he's invited to a meal with the king. And I think this is how God always works. God's kindness is always shown to the outsider, to the unlikely, to the undeserving, to the dead dogs. That's what God is like. He's so different to us, isn't he, God? Now, we invite our friends and people around to meals, and God invites the nobodies, the nothings. He even invites his enemies to dine with his king. Well, see, when I was younger, and even now a bit, I guess, um, I used to come home from school and pester my mum constantly about what we'd be having for dinner. Um, I basically, as soon as I went to school, I'd be like, what are we having for dinner? What are we having for dinner? What are we having for dinner? And the answer would always be, wait and see. And it's so frustrating. And it, maybe we had it every day, wait and see. I think your mum said to me, every day. Um, and I just love knowing what I'm going to eat. I love it. And we've, whenever I invite out for dinner around someone, I always want to know what's on the menu. And I guess Mephibosheth, he turns up to meet the king and he thinks he's going to be killed. He thinks death's on the menu. And yet what we're going to see is that David, God's king, serves up kindness and life. So finally, the menu. We've had the host, God's king, the guest, Mephibosheth, and finally the menu. Just look with me at verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Just how much like Jesus does David sound? <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus says it again and again to his disciples. And here David comforts this, this cripple, this nobody expecting his life. says, do not be afraid. I'm going to give you undeserved, free and abun abundant kindness. Lashings and lashings of kindness. This is not just any kindness. This is God's kindness he's going to show him. And like all good menus, there's three courses. There's a starter, a main, and a dessert. So what's for starters for Mephibosheth? Well, the starter is he's going to inherit Saul's land. Just look at verse 7. David says, Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And Mephibosheth comes expected to be served death, and David gives him all the land of the previous king Saul. It's going to be pretty big, isn't it? David gives to Mephibosheth land which now belongs to him. So at great cost to himself, 
God's king, the host here, David, gives land uh, to this nobody. Amazing and unexpected blessing. But it's only the starter. What about the main course? The main course is bucket loads of provision. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, giving land to a, to a cripple is probably a little bit cruel. I mean, he's not going to be able to go out for long walks in it, is he? Um, he's not going to be able to enjoy it. And maybe King David's having a bit of a, a horrible joke with him here. A bit like giving a, a kid uh, just a comb with no ice cream. Uh, but David is a king with God's heart of kindness. So just look at verse 9. Uh, then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson, that's Mephibosheth, everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for and Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth gets the full five-star treatment. Not only does he get the land, but he's given servants to, to work it for him. He doesn't even have to lift a finger. David has thought of absolutely everything. Last week I was back home in Loverstoft, um, seeing my mum and my dad. And you know what it's like when you've not been home very often, and I don't get home that often these days, sadly. Um, Mum just does everything, doesn't she? Um, so as soon as I got through the door, it was, do you want a cup of tea? Coffee, chocolates will come out. Every half an hour in our family, it seems to be a tea, coffee and chocolates come out, which I quite enjoy, which I'm a bit fatter than when I left last week. And then dinner would be on the table, everything would be cooked for me, my mum would say, no, you sit down, I'll do the washing up. Um, I was like, oh, I need to sort of set my bed up. Mum was like, I'll put the sheets on for you, I know it's a bit difficult for you at 28. <laughs> she also let me and my dad watch my latest, um, I've got the Norwich City DVD, all the goals from last year's games. So she endured me and my dad watching three hours of Norwich City goals. She was very happy to do it. Everything was thought of. It was my favourite food. It was cups of tea on the stove at the beach as soon as I came out of the sea, ready in my hand. You see, when someone's heart is, is to show kindness, everything is thought of and everything is provided, isn't it? And that's just what David does here. Everything is thought of. There's servants to work the land. They'll make the crops. They'll bring them to you. They'll sort it out. Nothing is left. He's got it good, hasn't he, Mephibosheth? From someone who was turning up expecting to die. It almost sounds a bit like the Garden of Eden. It's just so a bountiful blessing because he doesn't have to do anything. No frustration to spoil it all. Mephibosheth is now secure for life. But as with all good meals, there's a starter, there's a main, and there's always dessert. And dessert here really is the icing on the cake. Uh, my sister always said that dessert was her favourite, uh, and I guess I agree with her when it comes to this passage. Um, dessert is the feast that keeps on giving. Um, just look with me at the second half of verse 7. Right at the end it says, You will always eat at my table, David says to Mephibosheth. At the end of verse 10, And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table, David says. At the end of verse 11, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And verse 13, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. Always. This is the feast that keeps on giving. The dessert that never runs out. For the rest of his life, he will eat at the king's table. 
table fellowship with the king of Israel. You see, who you eat with matters, doesn't it? If someone invites you around for dinner, then what they're saying to you is, I accept you, I love you, and I want to get to know you. It's a big deal, isn't it, to be invited around? And King David says to this cripple, this nobody, this nothing, this enemy, every day, at my table, you're accepted, you're welcome, you're loved. Come round. Mephibosheth is even better than a friend of the king. Just look at verse, the end of verse 11 again. Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. His family. He's treated like David's own son. Adopted into his family. This is mind-blowing kindness. This is off-the-scale grace, isn't it? Every meal for the rest of his life, he would eat at the king's table. Every single day. So I don't know what your favourite meal is. Um, I guess whenever you think of a favourite meal, it's hard to detach it from the people you ate it with, isn't it? Um, So my favourite meal is basically Christmas dinner. Um, Like, turkey's a bit dry, isn't it? But who cares? The best thing about Christmas dinner is everyone's there. The whole family's there. You see, food tastes better depending on who you eat with, doesn't it? I always think that. And so the same for me with Christmas dinner. And you see, Mephibosheth, he gets the best meals every day because he gets to eat it with God's king. Every single day at the king's table. You see, our God is a generous God and his king is very kind. What have you begun to see where this all points what all this might mean for us. See, who is this bit of the Bible testifying about? As on all the house party t-shirts, Jesus says, these are the scriptures that testify about me. See, who is a true and better host? A true and better kind king? Well, who other than Jesus Christ? You see, when he came to earth, what did he do? He ate meals with sinners, with nobodies, with nothings, with the lame, with the ill. He said, come dine with me. Come dine with me, he said. Again and again, I love you, I accept you. Well, who are we? We're Mephibosheth. We've got nothing to offer. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to your cross I cling, the hymn says. Before God, we have nothing to offer him. We are but dead dogs. And this meal, well, it's amazing. Jesus says, if you trust me, you can sit and dine at my table forever. Forever. It doesn't matter that you're a nobody. It doesn't matter that you're a nothing. What matters is that you know me, and you trust me, and you accept my invite. Eternity at the table of the king. That's what's on offer. You see, I don't know you, but when I get invited around for a meal, um, the first thing that goes in my head is, what should I bring? 
Um, is it, do I need to bring a bottle of wine? Would that sort of, is that the right thing to bring along? Or do I need to bring some flowers? That's a bit, bit posher, maybe a bit too much. Um, or do I take a packet of crisps? Because I like to eat crisps, and it makes it seem generous if I bring crisps along. I always bring sweet chilli ones. If, you, if I brought them, that's because I like them, sadly, probably not because you like them. But we're so desperate, aren't we? We, we, think we? I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to pay something, give something. To sort of this kindness they're offering me in a meal, I need to give them something back. Pay them for it in some way, whether a bottle of wine or some flowers or some crisps. But Jesus wants to be very clear with us. As David is here, he says, you've got nothing to offer that I need. I have provided absolutely everything. And see, how does our King, Jesus, provide? He dies for us on a cross so that everything we do wrong is completely forgiven. And he asked us to come in and enjoy his feast forever when he brings his new and perfect world. We're not to pay him back with good deeds. We're to enjoy his lavish kindness and praise him for it. Because that's what we'll do for all eternity at the king's table, enjoying his provision and enjoying being with him. See, what's our God like? He is kind and his King Jesus shows that kindness to us by dying for us on a cross, providing everything we need for all eternity. The feast that keeps on giving. That's our God. That's our King. And so do you trust him? Have you accepted his invite? Have you seen how good he is? Tonight's the night to trust him again. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a kind God. We thank you so much uh, that your King Jesus shows us this kindness as he dies on a cross and invites us in to a feast that will go on forever. Father, help us to see just how good you are and praise you for it. May our lives be full of joy because we know this deeply. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a couple of songs now as we finish. Um, Two songs which I think um, speak of God's amazing kindness to us. And we're going to sing King of Kings and And Can It Be. Let's enjoy singing praises to our God.